professional workers. Sounds like he was a generous soul. At five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing there doing nothing. And he asked them, why have you been standing there? And they answered, because no one has hired us, they answered. And he said to them, go work in my vineyard. So all day long, he's been going and hiring and sending them to work in this vineyard. And he has a chat with them and they all agree for one denarius. Now you can see the problem emerging here. And uh, by the way, there are plenty of situations like that in our world today where people do a lot of work for the same wage as people who do no work. So this is not an unusual situation. I remember feeling guilty as a young person. I was working as a photographer for Weekend Magazine in the 1960s and 70s. And I knew I, that I did the square root of nothing on most days. I even had a guitar in my darkroom because there was nothing. They asked me to come in on Saturday to do a job that might come in. Of course, everybody played cards all day. I played guitar and nothing ever came in. And I got paid three times what Ruth got paid for a whole week. My wife, Ruth, she was in nursing, of course. So this sort of in, inequality is not, is not new it's, and it's not old. It's just been there forever. No one has hired us, he said to them. You also go work in my vineyard. Again, three more times, the foreman persists and offers the same. Persistent generosity begins to emerge as a hallmark of a true Christian. What does the kingdom of heaven look like? It looks to me like it ought to be about thankfulness and generosity, about Christians sharing their blessings with those in need, but there's more to it. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. It's payday. It's important to note that they all went to the counter where the paymaster was, uh, was and that they were happy with what had happened all day long. Remember, they all agreed to a denarii. Every one of them had been satisfied the agreed upon arrangement. So here is what Jesus wanted the disciples to grasp. He wanted them to grasp the egalitarian nature of kingdom values. This was not a story about pay equity at all. It's a story about salvation and who it's for and how it's available to everyone, regardless of the price that you're being paid. In Galatians 3 and 28, there's the famous verse, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ. It's a powerful verse about how we are all in this together. So the workers who were hired at five in the afternoon came and they each received a denarius. 
Verse 10, so when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each one of them also received a denarius. Verse 11, and when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. And they said, these who were hired last only worked one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. Jesus was clever in this story. The last was to be the first to receive the pay for a reason. The landowner wanted the others to hear what the last guy had received. The workers at the back of the line who had worked the least amount of time began to see that the one hour workers were receiving from the paymaster the same amount of money as those who had worked all those hours. From a modern perspective, we might yell, what about fairness? Not fair, but he answered one of them. Am I not being unfair to you, friend? I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as you. It's his money. They had agreed. Take your pay and go. Be satisfied. Stop grumbling. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious just because I'm generous? So Jesus is not telling this parable to illustrate the egalitarian ethics, but rather to show the disciples that his salvation will be freely given to all. One cannot earn salvation no matter how hard you work all day in the hot sun. Salvation is a gift. It must be received with gratitude. The other workers were guilty of the sin of covetousness. The parable is referenced in the ninth and 10th commandment. In a very real sense, this parable focuses on coveting and covetousness as a big problem amongst his disciples and amongst Christians in general. We've all heard the phrase of trying to live up to the Joneses. That's not the way Christianity works. It must be received with gratitude, as all gifts must be received. We should recall that coveting, by definition, involves the willful entertaining of excessive and inappropriate desires. The parable teaches that we're all equal recipients of God's generosity. The scandal of our faith is that we're often covetous and jealous when, with God's gifts of bounty. Forgiveness and life are given to other people in equal measure. Going back to our, our sermons on Jonah by Cynthia, Jonah was very much like those fellows who'd worked all day. He was really upset when the Ninevites got off so easily. It's ironic that Jonah, who had earlier declared that deliverance belongs to the Lord, a deliverance that he himself had experienced, has rejected the good news of who God is for others. Jonah, like the day laborers, was not happy that the Ninevites had received God's, received God's blessing. Another person I'd like to consider 
was the thief on the cross. He didn't even get a denarii. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. This is from Luke 23. Hurled insults at Jesus. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you're under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we're getting what our deeds deserve. But this man, Jesus, has done nothing wrong. And then he said to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. So salvation is a gift, even for people who haven't put in an hour of work, if their heart is right. The thief on the cross was the last to receive Jesus' salvation, regardless of his never having done anything to deserve it. He didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He didn't know John 3.16. It hadn't been written yet. He didn't know Jesus at all. He hadn't read his Bible. There weren't any. Well, there was the Old Testament, but only the, the priests and the scribes had access to it. He'd never prayed to Jesus. He had sinned mightily. He didn't know anything about Christ's forgiveness. The thief on the cross was accepted into Christ's kingdom, even though he hadn't worked at all. That's the generosity of God. Provided our heart is right. So we come to the last verse in Matthew chapter 20. And again, it's an enigmatic verse. So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Whoever wants to be first must be last, and the servant of all, it says in Mark chapter 9, verse 35. Remember, the disciples wanted to be on the right hand and on the left hand of Christ. Na, na, na. Missing the point completely, eh? Missing the point. We serve Christ out of gratitude and thankfulness, not because of any reward. We are to serve Christ no matter what. We are to do the kingdom of God, God's work because it's right to do it, not for, we can, what, not for what we can potentially get out of doing it, but it's, it's what we call integrity. It's what we call love. We do the work of Christ because we want to show love to others because Jesus showed love to us. In Matthew, it says, we're not to become weary from well-doing. Jesus came to do the work of the kingdom, and he was crucified for it. Our sins cost Jesus his life. That's what Jesus got for three and a half years of kingdom work. Jesus told the disciples this parable so that they would finally get what the mission was really going to entail down through the ages. 
what the kingdom of God is like. Loving the unlovely would not be easy. There would be scant reward in many cases, but that's what will be necessary if this world is to be transformed from its bondage to evil into the kingdom of God. This is what the kingdom of God is like. We're inured from it because we have life so easy here in the West. But one day, the kingdom will be like what we see in Scripture, what we see in the Fox's Book of Martyrs. I don't hope for it, but it could very easily turn. And we see movements in our society where, uh, let's just say, uh, um, acceptance of Christians is getting, is wearing very thin. You see it especially in south of the border where uh, it's, uh, it's becoming very difficult to, to come out and, show, and work with integrity um, for the sake of Jesus. Jesus Christ. Loving the unlovely will not be easy. I remember when I first started working, I was a very, very, um, how should I say, excitable young Christian. I always, I always had a, one of those Gideon New Testaments in my pocket. You know, we all got them in grade four. And uh, I was very, very, uh, a very, very keen uh, evangelist. And uh, at our school, we all got them. But as if those of you know the Quebec system, if you were not French, then you were in the English schools. And so a lot of my school was Jewish. And of course, they didn't want any of those New Testaments. So there were a lot of spare New Testaments around our school. <laughs> so of course, I gathered them all up. And in those days, um, the Catholic Church was much, much stronger. Uh, for example, at, at our local Catholic parish, uh, they had 11 masses on Sunday, and that church held over 2,000. That's how many used to go. And I used to want, desperately want to be a Catholic because they could go to the 7 o'clock service, and my friends, then they were off for the rest of Sunday, and they could play hockey. Of course, us stupid Protestants who didn't go till later in the day, and we didn't have as much. Anyway, uh, so I took all these New Testaments and um, I gave them out all to my Irish Catholic friends because they weren't allowed to read the Bible in those days. It was before Vatican II, you see. They weren't allowed to read the Bible. That very night at our front door, and who's there but the priest from Holy Family Church. And he talked to my father, because I was only about 12 or whatever, Talk to my father says, I understand, sir, that your son's been handing out New Testaments. I'm going to ask you to uh, essentially cease and desist. Uh, that's, but those days are gone, but they could return for different reasons. They could return. Yeah, so I wore this one in, in, in my pocket, one of those Gideon Bibles in my pocket. And a number of my colleagues at the magazine would always bug me. Haven't you finished reading that yet? <laughs> you know? 
or I went to lunch in the cafeteria and I said grace. And when I woke up, my lunch wasn't there. I see your God hasn't provided for you today. And I just smiled at them. And eventually they relented and gave me my lunch back. So that's about the extent of persecution that we've experienced in our, in our society, but it could get worse. The kingdom of God is like, and that's why I mentioned Fox's Book of Martyrs at the, at the beginning of the service, because it's not a pretty sight. Recently, I've been reading the biography of London. Sounds funny, eh? The biography of London, it's an 800 page brick of a book by a fellow named Aidney, I forget his first name. And uh, Christians were murdered throughout, and Jews. Christians and Jews were murdered throughout the history of London on many different occasions. They were burned, they were drawn and quartered, they were stabbed, they were hung because they were Christians, because they were Jews. So that's what this, this passage is all about. Jesus is preparing his disciples for what's about to transpire. He understands that the kingdom of heaven is not going to be an easy downhill road. It's going to be a tough uphill road. And we need to prepare ourselves for the eventuality that it could get tougher in our own society. We are to serve Christ out of gratitude and thankfulness, not because of any easy life it might afford us. Shall we pray? Our Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the beauty of it, and we're grateful. We thank you for the sun. We thank you for the leaves as they turn into red and gold. We thank you that you've given us the life that we have and we offer ourselves to you that we might serve you faithfully and with gratitude. We commend this day and this week into your hands that we might go out and be worthy representatives for you. And we ask this because we love to we love Jesus, and we look forward to the day when we stand before him face to face. Amen. Dear God, thank you for beautiful and stark reminders we've heard today regarding your kingdom. Thank you for debunking the idea of, for us, the idea of uh, a kingdom which is all about equity when so much in our society now turns around equity, but rather 
that the kingdom is a free gift. Salvation is a free gift. And therefore, we do not deserve it. We just receive it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that I, I am saved not because of anything that I have done or I could do or I could work, but rather because you love me. And thank you for each one of us that can say the same thing. And Lord, thank you also for the reminder, indeed, that uh, this kingdom is not all about sitting on clouds in heaven, but rather the same kingdom is the one that does bring division and persecution and suffering in so many ways in a society that gets disrupted by your powerful, powerful penetration into the world. Allow us, Lord, to be wise, to be prepared, and more than anything else, grateful for your free gift to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, at this point, I would like um, to invite you as God's people to respond to hearing this word, his word. Um, through voice prayers of adoration, thanksgiving, and supplication. If you would like to pray during this time, uh, and if you are on Zoom, then do unmute your microphone and turn on your, you don't have to turn on your camera because we're not seeing it, but do pray and we will then, and then turn your mic off. Otherwise, do pray please loudly for us and with us um, as we respond to God's word. anybody who asks for it. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunities you give us 